is my third sermon in this chapter. We have been taking time in this uh, very poignant, descriptive uh, narration of David's life so we can understand the, the work of God, the promises of the Lord, and how they are worked out in the lives of God's people. We've seen Nabal's sin and his foolishness. We've seen David's sin and his wrath and anger. And today we get to meditate on Abigail and her faith. I'm going to pick up the reading in verse 12. And uh, remember that Nabal has has turned away David's men without anything. He's insulted David and uh, uh, called him a runaway slave. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both night and day, all the time we were with with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me. See, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. So it was, as she rode on on the donkey, that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all this fellow has in in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your handmaid, hand, excuse me, let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, 
as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offensive heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Abigail came to David, who was full of murderous wrath. And in God's providence, she turned that away. She was a peacemaker. Today, as we consider Abigail, she stands between two very strong personalities, the rich fool Nabal and David, the one anointed to be king, who is full of that murderous wrath. And the power of those two individuals swirls But the strongest character in this passage is Abigail. Because in her, you can see Christ. Because in her, you can see the promises of God. And you can see the gospel. For Jesus himself has said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be sons of God. My prayer is today that as we consider this narrative, that 
that you would see how this work of a peacemaker plays out the gospel. How a soft answer does turn away wrath. And that you would pray that God would enable you by faith to use words that turn away wrath instead of stirring it up. I want to begin by just meditating on who Abigail was and how she responded to this very disastrous uh, circumstance in which she found herself. I called the first point to Abigail, the wife of Nabal, and there's some significance to that that I, I hope that you've already seen. After Nabal sent David's men away, one of the one of Nabal's servants rushes to Abigail to report what had happened. And it's very telling that the servant went to Abigail and not to Nabal. The servant even identifies why. He is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Scoundrel, to me, sounds kind of like one of those dangerous young men of the movies. They're kind of on the bad side. They wear the, wear the leather coats and stuff like that. He's a scoundrel. We smile when we say that. The Bible doesn't smile at a scoundrel. If you were to look where other places use that word, it's descriptive of sometimes translated worthless or perverse. People that are interested only in their own desires and they give their lives over to that. That's what is the meaning here of a scoundrel. And unfortunately, it fits Nabal very well. And the servants knew that, that, that you couldn't approach him with anything. You can't talk to him. The rich fool is so bound up in his love of money that there's no persuading him of anything different. And the servant not only related what had happened, but he also confirmed the fact that David's company had treated them well. And Nabal could have discovered this. All it took was for him to ask, how, was, how did David treat you in the wilderness? And the servant volunteers this to Abigail so that she would know the full story. David and his men protected us. And our master has abused him, has hurled insults against him, has slandered his good name. And the servants understood what this meant. David is a man of war. Surely he won't take this insult lying down. So he appealed to Abigail, consider this situation. Consider what you will do for harm is coming against us. And it was harm indeed that was on the horizon. You heard what David swore in his wrath. He swore that he was going to kill Nabal and every single able-bodied man. He was going to wipe out Nabal's operation. He was so overcome by his anger. 
So Abigail does make haste. She recognizes the foolishness of her husband. She recognizes the sinfulness of her husband. And she recognizes the danger that that put her whole household into. This was a matter of life and death. And she treated it that way. And so she rushed into action. She took matters into her own hands and immediately gathered together a substantial feast to send to David and his men, something that should have been offered by Nabal out of the prosperity of that day of rejoicing, the day of shearing. And so there is bread and wine and roasted sheep and grain, raisins, figs, all in amounts to feed David and his men and their families. She sent those away quickly and said, go, 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 and I will follow after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Let me pause here to explain. And I pause because I have actually heard it said that at this point, Abigail was being unsubmissive to her husband. And that just makes my skin crawl. (laughs) I have actually heard this. She went behind her husband's back. Mabel has said, give them no food. And what did she do? She gave him a feast. I'm not going to share any of that with these men. That's mine. Nabal gives freely, generously. She countermanded my orders. She's insubordinate and unsubmissive to my headship. But that opinion grossly mistakes the idea of submission, and grossly twists what the Bible says marriage is like. Abigail acted in the interests of her husband. And I'll demonstrate that in in just a, a little bit. She acted in the interests of all of her household by turning aside David's wrath. If she had not acted, then David likely would have wiped out Nabal and all of his operation. I like the way that Gordon Ketty puts it. He says that Abigail looks like the competent wife who had been called upon before to rectify some of her husband's pig-headedness. That's a good word for it, isn't it? Pig-headedness. This is not a godly idea of male headship of a household. Concept that we do believe the Bible teaches. But as Ketty goes on, he says that men like that rarely know how much they owe to the faithfulness of their wives. They have so misunderstood the idea of their leadership to make it out to be a tyrannical rule rather than the idea of a Christ-like servant leadership. 
And they imagine that anything that countermands or goes against their wishes is insubordination. So they suppose here that Abigail has done just that. But that is not biblical submission, and that is not a biblical marriage. Abigail acted in a way that honored her marriage and her vows. She acted, in this case, as a peacemaker. This is the second fuller point that I want to go on to, that Abigail acted as a peacemaker. There are several ways that this has worked out. I'm just going to work through the text little bit by little bit to see some of the textures of, of, the, of the faith of Abigail and how that goes in the midst of a very difficult circumstance. Remember, David is bent on murder, mass murder, akin to Saul killing the priests of Nob. This is what he is, is, is marching towards. And Abigail goes into that dangerous situation, full of faith to be a peacemaker. And this is how. First of all, Abigail humbled herself. As David drew near... Abigail got off her donkey. I, I think I would have seen David and turned around in the other direction and said, not today. <laughs> I'm going to wait for him to calm down. Well, there was no tomorrow for Abigail. Abigail got off her donkey. She bowed down to the ground. She fell on her face at his feet. That's what the Bible describes. That's a posture of humility. It's a, it's a posture of utter vulnerability. This is a guy with a sword, right? With murderous intent with 400 soldiers at his back, and I'm going to lie on the ground in front of him. What a stark contrast Abigail is from Nabal. Nabal was proud and haughty. Nabal exulted in his own riches, and he showed incredible disdain and insult towards David. But Abigail goes to great lengths to demonstrate the honor that she was giving to David and the humility with which she came to him. There's reason for that. One is that there is sin that Abigail comes to confess. And another is that there is sin that she's come to confront. And a peacemaker has to come with humility to express both of those things. And you may find this to be 
one of the hardest steps of all. But it is also one of the most profound steps that you can take to humble yourself in the midst of conflict. We live in a day and an age where, uh, where your own self-interests are magnified. It comes through in any number of ways, from the ideas of your own identity to the way you see the world to the actions that you have done that are justified just because you did them. It's all centered around myself. And to humble yourself goes against all of that. It's incredibly countercultural to act with humility towards those around you and especially towards those that you are in conflict with. And that's exactly what Abigail has done. And in Abigail, we can see Christ. This is the, this is the, the, the Christ-likeness that Paul urges in Philippians chapter 2, isn't it? Have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus. The Son of God, equal with the Father, enjoying the fellowship with the Father in heaven, humbled himself, taking upon the form of man and of a servant and to take death upon himself. Have this attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish conceit. As I said, this may be one of the hardest steps of all, but the most profound, to humble yourself. Secondly, Abigail confessed sin. On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And then later, forgive your, your maidservant. Here again, Abigail acts in her husband's best interests. We would be tempted here to say, uh, Abigail didn't slander David. That was Nabal. Abigail is not responsible for this sin. That was somebody else. It wasn't me. Uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't Abigail. But as, as Nabal's wife, Abigail understands that covenant bond that she has. And even though her husband had been pig-headed, and even though he acted out his name as the fool, she comes and on his behalf, on behalf of her marriage, she humbly confesses his sins and owns them. Another foreshadowing of Christ, is it not? And that Abigail took upon herself the sins of another. That bond of marriage gives some explanation, but Abigail lays herself down on behalf of that marriage literally laid herself down on behalf of her marriage. 
And note well that Abigail dealt honestly and directly with Nabal's actions as sin. She didn't try to avert attention. She didn't say, David, you need to cool down. You're all in the wrong here. No, the first things that she does is she confesses the sins against him. And they were sin. Remember what I described Nabal doing. He slandered David, publicly defamed him, stole his good name. And she addresses them as sin. She even names him as the fool that he is and also calls him a scoundrel. There's that word again, worthless, perverse. And in doing this, Abigail is doing something more than just trying to placate an angry person, trying to turn aside a, a, a dangerous situation. What Abigail did is she, she understood the sin that was there. This is real peacemaking. Because she confessed that sin. She identified it as sin. And she sought forgiveness for it. Last week, I warned the church that anger can destroy relationships. It can, it can destroy a church. And in the context of that warning, let me, uh, let me go on and say that in the midst of conflict, this is an opportunity for you to take stock of your responsibility in that conflict. I remind you of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that if you see the speck in your brother's eye, prayerfully consider the log that is in your own first. And that's something that Abigail communicates here as a peacemaker. Seeking peace involves an honest appraisal of your own responsibility in that conflict and then confessing it to God and to the one that you have offended. That's what Abigail did. Thirdly, Abigail sought to repay what, what, what had been stolen. So she brought a meal. This was not just an idea of, uh, well, let's distract David and his men with a feast. No, there was something that had been withheld. Something that David had wrongfully come to expect, but then Nabal sinfully withheld. And so one offer of restitution was, was the food that Abigail quickly marshaled and, and brought to him. But she also sought to restore David's good name. Listen to how Abigail affirms David's place in God's covenant. Now, therefore, my Lord, speaking to David, respectfully again, as the Lord, that's being God, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held back, has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself by, with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. 
what Abigail is doing is she's speaking in the language of the covenant of God. And she's identifying David as the leader that he was. God had chosen David to be the next king. God had anointed him through Samuel. And David had faithfully carried that out. She will later say, uh, you have fought the Lord's battles. There's no evil throughout your days. She acknowledges the right standing of David in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the people around them. Not that David was sinless, but that Nabal had stolen David's good name. And here, publicly, Abigail was reaffirming that. And actually, this lies at the heart of Abigail's peacemaking. Because Abigail grasps not only the sin of her husband, but she grasps the promises of God, which leads to this fourth aspect of her peacemaking, that Abigail aligned herself with God's covenant. I've spoken this way at other key times. You might remember that Jonathan, when David rose to fight against Goliath, and as he was identified as the next anointed king, that that placed Jonathan in an awkward position. Jonathan should be the next king, the son of Saul. But what did Jonathan do? He aligned himself with David. even at the cost of what it meant for his future. And what does Abigail do here? She aligns herself with David. Even though Nabal, her husband, was not there. It comes through in this way. Again, listen to the language of the covenant that comes through in Abigail's words. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord, that's David, an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And evil is not found in you throughout all your days. Abigail praises David for his character, for his faithfulness. But most importantly, she recognizes that David was being blessed by God to be king. She even goes on to anticipate that. When this happens, when you come to rule, remember what has happened here this day. You hear that idea? When you come to rule, she's identifying that this is God's anointed king. And in this history of David, I want you to know that... <clears throat> that this is the first time that the, the dynasty of David is mentioned. Uh, use that without uh, negative connotations here. Think of it as the, as the kingly line of David that will endure forever. Well, that, that's the promise eventually of Jesus Christ. And this is the first pronouncement of it that comes from Abigail in the midst of this conflict. And I can't help but be reminded of how God has often elevated and honored faithful women throughout Scripture. And in this case, honoring uh, 
honoring Abigail, who by faith professes David's kingship and the lasting nature of that and the hint of glory that is to come that comes in Abigail's words. But Abigail's not over. The covenant has more. The, the covenant includes blessings and warnings. Your life, David, is bound up in the bundle of the living with the Lord, with the Lord your God. Just very picturesque language here. Think of being bound up in a, in a bundle of the living with the Lord. Uh, the, the, the intense here that comes to my mind is, well, I did it just last night with my granddaughter, Suki. I, I took a blanket and I bound her up carefully uh, so that she was warm and safe. And that's the intent here of David being bound up in the promises of God and with the people of the covenant Lord. And she uses the covenant name, Yahweh, to say, this, this is who your God is. You are part of his people. And the covenant has blessings, but it also has warnings. And she says, what happens to those who align themselves against the covenant Lord? They shall be slung out like a stone from the sling. Now, what does that make you think about? David's fighting against Goliath, right? Isn't that amazing that, uh, that Abigail would hearken back to David's faith in his response to this enemy of God to go and under God's direction to go and fight this battle. Not with the strength of man's weapons or his own military might or prowess, but David came in the name of the Lord, and it was the Lord that was going to defeat Goliath. And they will be slung out like a sling, a stone from a sling. And Abigail holds that covenant and in speaking to David, she reminds him that the Lord knows what's happening here. And I said in the psalm meditation that uh, David comes to learn this, that God will avenge his enemies. And this is where David had sinned. He was taking vengeance into his own hands. He was playing God against Nabal. Which leads to Abigail's final act of a peacemaker. She appealed to David to act in a godly fashion. Don't let this occasion become a grief that you would shed innocent blood without cause or that you would have avenged yourself. out of that posture of humility and out of that posture of confessing sin and, and seeking to restore, Abigail has now the faith to speak to the leader of God's people and say, David, your path is wrong. Your path is sinful. Turn aside from it. 
For if you don't, you'll be grieved in days to come. That you avenged yourself because that belongs to the Lord. And David listened. He gloriously listened. It is, it is the miracle of God to turn aside an angry man. That's exactly how God used Abigail, to turn David aside. Our selfish tendency is to make us deaf to anyone who brings correction. How dare you talk to me that way? And then we uh, turn around and lower the boom on the one who has brought that correction to us. Well, that is a tendency, and we all need to hear this. Because it is that common tendency. Now, let me point out in the context of this that, uh, that you men need to hear this. You men need to hear that God sends counselors into your life that you need to listen to. If you're married, that is first and foremost your wife. Don't be a scoundrel. Smile and laugh a little bit about it, but uh, I'm serious. You are perverse when you don't listen to your wife, when she brings godly counsel to you. You're worthless. But if you are not married, and uh, and if you are married, uh, remember that God gives women as godly counselors as well. Don't be pig-headed, thinking that a woman has nothing to offer, thinking that they have no wisdom or knowledge or righteousness, or scripture, or spirit. Part of the community of Christ that we are wanting to develop here is where brothers and sisters can can bless one another. And in the midst of conflict, sometimes that will mean that someone will come to you humbly confessing their sins. Listen to them and forgive. Sometimes they will come with a godly correction. Listen to them. There is glory in store if you do. David is an example of that. We'll come back and think a little more about the words that... David speaks, and the outcome, when he leaves vengeance in God's hands, and as he turns away from the murder that he had planned, it is a glorious thing that God is at work doing. Well, may we be like Abigail here, like Christ in acknowledging and bearing sins of others, 
May we be like Christ in the way in which we use our words for a soft answer turns away wrath. May we be like Abigail, who is blessed as a peacemaker, called a son of God. Yes, Abigail, a son of God, in that uh, context of inheritance. A soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. I pray that your faith would be solidly grounded on the promises of God, that, that your, your, your eyes would be fixed on Christ so that you could confess and so that you could confront, so you could work as a peacemaker in all of, their, of the glorious fashions that Abigail demonstrates in this passage. Amen. Lord, our, our God, I pray that you would forgive us for pursuing murder in our hearts, in our words, in our actions, and for not heeding those godly counselors that you, you place around us. Forgive us for taking vengeance ourselves rather than leaving it into your hands. And forgive us, O oh Lord, for stirring up anger and disaster and destruction around us with our angry words. God, I thank you for Abigail. I thank you for Christ pictured in her. I thank you for the grace that she grasped with her faith and uh, that, that was the ground and foundation of giving her the courage to face an angry man, to face a foolish husband, to act in a righteous way. I thank you for our Savior Christ, who humbled himself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll close by singing the last portion of Psalm 55. It fits well with this passage, doesn't it? This is the conclusion that David uh, ought to have come to with Nabal, uh, eventually comes to through Abigail, later comes to in the agony of the betrayal of a friend. God knows he will avenge. Cast your burdens on him. Let's stand and sing Psalm 55C.